Channel F, the one with all the fun. The Fairchild Video Entertainment System at your larger JCPenney. The home entertainment system that never gets old. Plug in a new video cart and change the fun. Play tic-tac-toe, shooting gallery, or just doodle. Switch video carts and play Desert Fox. Switch again, it's Blackjack. Or play the two built-in games, Pro Hockey or Tennis Champ. Channel F for fun. The Fairchild Video Entertainment System. Just $169.95. Video cart cartridges, $19.95 each. At your larger JCPenney. Hello everyone, and welcome to the Channel F Files. I'm your host, Willie, and this is a podcast where we're going to talk about the Fairchild Channel F. Now, I uh, I grew up with the Fairchild. I remember back in 1976, uh, my father bringing it home, uh, I think it was in December or so, before Christmas. At the store he, he uh, worked at as a service repairman, uh, he was able to get a hold of a lot of the newest stuff when it first came out, like the pond consoles and things of that nature. And, I distinctly remember him bringing home this Fairchild uh, that Christmas season and how much fun I had with the crazy thing. But more about that later. Let's get on to the actual system itself. Now, the system was actually patented in August of 1976 by Ron Smith and Nicholas Tailsfor. Now, Nicholas was in charge of designing the hand controllers, the console itself, and also the game cartridges, while Ron... His job was to actually make everything work together. He did all the mechanical aspects of the system to get everything to uh, work harmoniously together. The actual creator of the Fairchild Channel F was Jerry Lawson. Now, Jerry, <clears throat> he grew up in Queens, New York, and he became an amateur radio operator by the time he was age 13. He actually built his own radio station in his his bedroom. He also got into building walkie-talkies and and selling those, and by his uh, late teen years, he was actually doing television repair work. Uh, Jerry attended the Queens College and City College of New York, and his major study was, of course, electronics. Now, after he uh, graduated out of college, he started working for Grumman Aircraft uh, on radar systems, among other uh, large U.S. electronic firms. You know, he bounced around a little bit before he finally ended up at Fairchild Electronics in 1970 as a field engineer. While he was working in the field, Jerry saw his first arcade game, Computer Space, and that's how he met with Al Alcorn. Uh, him and Al had a very close relationship uh, throughout their careers. Now, while he uh, was talking with Al Alcorn, uh, Al was actually in the process of develop developing the Pong arcade game. And the whole reason why Jerry was there, he was trying to sell them some chips to put the alphanumeric characters up on the screen. But with all the budget constraints of Pong put on by Nolan Bushnell, they were not really interested in buying any extra chips. However, inspired by what he saw there, Jerry developed his own arcade game in 1975 called Demolition Derby. This was the first arcade game designed by a single person, plus it was using the brand new F8 microprocessor, which later on would be put into the Fairchild Channel F. At that time... All the other arcade games, including Pong, were basically discrete components. There was no microprocessors at all, so Jerry had a first in that in that respect. Jerry uh, sold his 
machine to a small manufacturer in San Mateo, California, which uh, tested the game at a California pizza parlor. But this manufacturer went out of business a short time later, and evidently there was only one of these machines ever built. Unfortunately, uh, Jerry was not able to get more funding to build even more. So as a result, uh, there's only one game in existence of Demolition Derby, and it's still widely debated whether or not Demolition Derby was indeed the first microprocessor-based game. Basically because Gunfight came out pretty much at the exact same time, and it also had a microprocessor. So considering Gunfight was actually mass-produced, it's probably considered the first ever since it's been it's out there. And this one Jerry did, even though it did have a microprocessor, it didn't go into mass production. So it's it's up in the air who exactly is first, but I'm going with Jerry. However, Fairchild found out about Jerry's little side project, and they were quite upset at, at the beginning that he did this out on his own. But however, uh, upper management at Fairchild saw the potential Jerry could bring to the table to take over their failing 8088-based processor system that was being designed by Alpex at the time. Jerry ended up being appointed the head of the video game console division at Fairchild and was given a very nice budget to start hiring people to make uh, his vision of an F8 microprocessor-based game system a reality. Some of the other things I've known about Jerry is he actually founded a Atari 2600 software company called Videosoft. Uh, one of his cartridges he made was the color bar generator. And I remember reading online somewhere a little funny story where he was at some show and someone came up to him asking if he was the guy that did Videosoft. And of course he said yes. And this guy handed him a, a, color, soft, a color bar generator cartridge for him to sign. And later on that day, Jerry found out that uh, this cartridge was sold for like $500. At that point, his wife turned to him and said, Do you have any more of those cartridges you can sign that we can sell? <laughs> I thought it's kind of funny. Now, Jerry was basically not really known very well for what he's done for the video game industry. However, in March of 2011, he was honored by the International Game Developers Association as an industry pioneer. So he finally got the recognition he sorely deserved for all the firsts he brought to the, uh, to the industry. The unfortunate thing is, is shortly after him getting that, uh, he passed away in April of 2011 at the age of, of 70. Now let's talk a little bit about the, the Fairchild system itself. Now of course the CPU it's using is the Fairchild F8 that operates at 1.79 megahertz and is an 8-bit processor. It has 64 bytes of RAM with 2 kilobytes of video RAM. So that gives you a resolution of 128 by 64 pixels with about 102 by 58 visible on the TV, depending on what TV you're using. The system only had eight colors in its palette to use, so the, the graphics of the game, the colors of the game were very rudimentary, so it was all about gameplay. Uh, graphics weren't something that would blow you away. The system was launched in November of 1976 with three cartridges. They called them video cards. I was unable to find out where that term came from or who actually coined it, but that's how the Fairchild games were referred to as a video cart. It had video cart number one, which had tic-tac-toe, shooting gallery, doodle, and quadradoodle on it. Video cart number two that had Desert Fox, a tank game, and shooting gallery. It's kind of interesting they put shooting gallery on two cartridges at, at launch. It's kind of interesting. I wasn't able to find out why they did that on Desert Fox. 
Video card number three, Blackjack, which is one of my favorite games on the system. I love playing Blackjack on the uh, the Fairchild. It originally sold at launch for $169.95. That's about a $700 in today's currency. That's, that's amazing. There's been around a quarter million units sold, but the sales suffered due to the release of the Atari VCS in 1977 so this console wasn't out very long it was only had like a year head start on the atari 2600 once it came out it just blew the fairchild right out of the water the atari had better sounds uh, actually had arcade ports to the system which drew a lot of people there wasn't a whole lot of game development for the uh, fairchild channel f they only actually had 26 official release cartridges in the united states so that's not a very big game life library for the life of the console. Now the console itself, it's got a very interesting wood grain veneer on it. It kind of looks like a 8-track player, which that was part of the whole design concept for the system. They wanted something that would fit into a, a 70s era rec room. And making it look like an 8-track player with the wood veneer pretty much fit that bill. The system has a set of uh, five buttons across the front that look just like the little push buttons on an 8-track player. You have the reset button. You have button number one, which is, you know, your time uh, button. You also can use that button to select hockey, the internal game. You have button number two, which is the mode button, which would select the internal tennis game that's built in. Three is the hold button, pause which would be, you know, you would select game number three if you had a cartridge that had four games on it. And then button number four was your start button. And that would be game number four if you had a cartridge that supported four buttons. Originally, the, the system was called the VES, or the Video Entertainment System. But the name was changed to Channel F soon after it was launched. There has been some debate on, on what the Channel F, the F stands for in Channel F. Uh, some believe it stands for F8, which means, you know, the F8 processor that it's in. While others think it stands for fun, you know, channel fun. Uh, I really can't remember what it stood for. Uh, I was around when this thing launched, and I could have swore I heard it being referred to as channel fun. But I'm old. My memory's not all that great. So it's one of those two. <laughs> Don't know which one. I'm trying to find out. Now, what's interesting about this console is it was the first console to introduce a hold button that could actually pause your game. It was the first time that was ever available out there. It was also the first to introduce the interchangeable cartridge format. Now a lot of people will say that the Odyssey 1 had cartridges, but the main difference is, is the Odyssey 1, all that was inside that cartridge was a set of jumpers. They would actually jump out pins in the console to activate a game that was already internal to the console itself. So there was no actual programming done on the cartridge. It just activated a set of jumpers in there. So the Fairchild Channel F actually had a game program on a ROM inside the cartridge. So that's the major difference there. The Fairchild was also the very first game system to have an actual Easter egg. The very first Easter egg could be found in the demo cart. If you hold down buttons 1, 3, and 4, at the end of the uh, the series, after, after after the cartridge gets to the end of its program, you'll see the name of the programmer pop up on the screen. There's also a couple other game cartridges out there that have Easter eggs. 
One is Video Whiz Ball, and the other one is Alien Invasion. The Fairchild Channel F was also the first console to introduce the concept of artificial intelligence to give players the challenge to play against the computer itself. Video Kart number one was the first example of this where you play tic-tac-toe against the computer. Later on, we had Video Kart number four, which was Spitfire, where, would you, where you would fight the Red Baron. So, add a lot of challenge to the game and made it quite a bit of fun to actually have some one-player games to play for a change. The Fairchild was also the first game system to be used on an actual television game show called PAL. And the game they used for PAL was Shooting Gallery. And basically what the person would do is they would be called on the phone and then they would say on the phone, PAL. And when they say PAL, someone would push the button on the uh, joystick to make the thing shoot. And if they hit so many targets within a certain amount of time, they won a prize. The Fairchild was also the first system to have an actual card game on it, which was Blackjack. No other home console had Blackjack up to that time. Now, the original release of this system, all the sounds came out of the internal speaker on the console itself. However, when it was redesigned to the System 2, all the sounds came out of the television speaker. The joysticks were hardwired to the console and were non-replaceable without taking the console apart. And those joysticks were kept in a storage bay that's underneath a really neat-looking smoked plastic cover that said Fairchild on the top. Now, the System 2 came out around 1979, and it was basically released to compete with the Atari VCS. And again, the redesign was done by Nick Telsfor at Fairchild, the same person who designed the original console. Major differences between the two consoles was now that the controllers were removable. They had like little 9-pin Atari-like plugs on them, so you can actually unplug them from the back of the console. And the controllers were stored sideways in the back of the console instead of inside underneath a clear uh, smoky plastic cover as, as on the original one. Now the controllers. The controllers were very unique. Uh, they were the first of their kind for a handheld controller that combined multiple functions at once. Jerry wanted the ability to actually emulate like a Pong type of feature on his on his controller. So as a result, we have a twisting action. We twist right and left on the controller to emulate like maybe, you know, twisting, a rotating motion, stuff like that. You have the eight-way control. You have a push-down feature, which is normally fire, and you pull up for another function on the, uh, the joystick. Now, the joystick controllers were, were kind of unique inside. They basically had a metal ring, and there was a series of leaf springs all, all the way around on the central shaft, and as you move the joystick around, you would make contact with that metal ring to uh, close the circuit. Now, the major flaw for these controllers was those leaf springs would fatigue over time and actually crack and break off. The wires used in the hand controller also were, were very flimsy and very prone to breakage, especially right at the base of the joystick. If you were to put these in the storage compartment and actually flex the end of the joystick wire, the base 90 degrees back and forth a few times, you would actually break the wires inside of the sheath of the uh, wiring harness causing the controller to become uh, intermittent. Now, Zircon, who purchased Channel F from Fairchild in 1979, they released an updated joystick for the system called the Jet Stick. And the only major difference between the two joysticks is now with the Jet Stick, there was a red fire button on the front of the handle 
to make it a little bit more easier to play uh, the games on the system instead of pushing down on the joystick all the time. There was also a version of this joystick release for the Atari VCS and compatibles, but it did not have this little red button on the front. That joystick had the twisting motions disabled and the pull-up motion disabled. It only had the push-down and the eight-way control movement. Now let's take a look at the video carts themselves. Now the video carts, they're basically the size of an eight-track tape. They're yellow in color, very bright yellow. And they have a fold-down door at one end that helps protect the ends of the circuit board, the contacts. Now the whole purpose of this design was to help protect the cartridges from electrostatic discharge. As a matter of fact, there is a lot of heavy shielding in the Fairchild Channel F to help prevent any kind of static discharge that can damage the system. As a result, it took Fairchild quite a long time to get uh, FCC approval. And basically every cartridge that Fairchild made, they had to send to the FCC to get approved. So that, that's kind of interesting. They had to keep doing that over and over again. Now the boxes the cartridges came in are really neat looking. They have some really cool 70s style art on them that was designed by a local artist by the name of Tom Kamifuji. Uh, this art was inspired by uh, mid-70s pulp, pulp art done by Peter Max. So it really gives the cartridges and the box art a really cool looking 70s feel. Uh, all the cartridge cases are black and they have full color uh, rendered pictures on there from this artist. Uh, they're really neat to look at and they look really cool up on a shelf. Now let's quickly go over the games of the system. We'll go through this list here pretty quick. As again, there was 26 games released. Already talked about Video Cart 1, which is Tic-Tac-Toe, Shooting Gallery, Doodle, and Quadradoodle. Video Cart 2 was Desert Fox and Shooting Gallery. Video Cart 3 was Video Blackjack. Video Cart 4 was Spitfire. Video Cart 5 was Space War. Video Cart 6 and 7 was Math Whiz, Addition, Subtraction, Multiplication, and Division. Video Cart 8 was Mind Reader. Video Cart 9, Drag Strip. Video Cart 10 was Maze. Video Cart 11 was Backgammon at AC Ducey. Video Cart 12 was Baseball. Video Cart 13 was Robot War and Torpedo Alley. Video Cart 14 was Sonar Search. Video Cart 15, Memory Match. Video Cart 16, Dodge It. Video Cart 17, Pinball Challenge. Video Cart 18 was Hangman. Video Cart 19 was Checkers. Video Cart 20 was a Video Whizball. And Video Cart 21 was Bowling. Video Cart 22, Slot Machine. Video Cart 23, Galactic Space Wars. Video Cart 24, Pro Football. Video Cart 25, Casino Poker. And Video Cart 26, Alien Evasion. There was also two demo carts, and there were three advertised but unreleased games that were going to be used with a keyboard attachment for the, for the uh, Fairchild Channel F. These three unreleased games was Casino Poker, Space Odyssey, and Pro Football. Now there is a homebrew game out there, Video Cart number 27, Pac-Man, was released back in 2009 by the Atari Age user E5Frog. Now if you take a look at this cartridge, you would swear it was made back when the Fairchild was still in its heyday. Uh, E5 did a heck of a job on this release. He's got a really nice looking full color box with the same kind of art style on it that you would see on the Channel F cartridges. 
came with a manual that was really neat to see. And the cartridge itself looked just like an original release Fairchild cartridge. The only difference is, I don't think E5 had to send it in to the FCC to get approved. <laughs> now, each episode I'll be doing after this, I'll take one cartridge and talk about it just a little bit. Uh, the episodes won't be very long because there's not a whole lot of information about uh, the different video carts out there. So, this is basically just a little mini cast for the Fairchild Channel F that I'm working on as a little hobby. Basically, because I grew up with the system. I still like it to this day. Uh, I used to have uh, System 1. And I had all 26 game cartridges and both demo carts. And of course, like most of us do, I go through the, we go through the madness and we sell everything off. And then we regret it later. So that's one of the things I do regret is selling off my complete system I had. Of course, now nowadays I enjoy playing it on the MESS emulator. Uh, that emulator emulates the F8 processor fairly well. The games play really nice. You do make a little bit of tweaks to the game to get it to work, though. But once you get it all set up, everything works just fine. Well, thanks for listening to this introductory episode of the Channel F Files. On the next episode, we're going to be covering video cart number one, which has tic-tac-toe, shooting gallery, doodle, and quadradoodle. So thanks for listening. <laughs>